hallelujah. You can be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, he's so good, isn't he? You know, this is just one of those uh, moments where I just feel like I have so far to go. There's so much in front of me. You know, you remember when you were young and when you could hear, you could smell the aroma coming from the kitchen when your mama was cooking? <coughs> no. <laughs> and, and you would, you know, what happened when you would smell the aroma of dinner being cooked and you've been out playing and you're, 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 you know, you're hungry, you're ready for dinner, right? What happens? You begin to salivate. You begin to salivate and you come in and go, Mom! Can I have a taste? Can I have a taste on the tip of the spoon? Can I have a taste? Mom's like, no, you can wait for dinner. No, I just want a taste. I just want a taste. And what would Mama do? She'd give you a little spoon, you know, cake batter, whatever it was, chili, whatever it was, just a little taste. And once you had a taste, what happened? You were wishing you'd never had a taste. <laughs> because now it's like, for more. You see, brothers and sisters, we have only a taste on the tip of our tongue. That's what the word of God says. A foretaste of what is to come. Mm. Oh, that's so good. It's like what you've experienced. I know, I can tell. <laughs> what you've experienced in God to this point is only a taste. You see, even for me, just seeing God create eyes where there were no eyes only moments before. To see the dead come up after being dead for 36 hours and rise to praise. To see a little girl in Africa who's never heard and never spoken utter her first words, Jesus. 16 years of age, never spoken, never, never spoken, never heard. And Jesus walks through the African dirt and heals her. My friends, that is still only a foretaste. That is but a foretaste of what is to come. You see, there's something inside you like, oh my God, if Enoch, if Enoch could come so close, right? If he could come so close that God said, oh, Enoch, you're so, you're so close, why don't you just come on up? Then why not me? Yeah. Then why not one day? I'm just so close. Yeah. And Dan wakes up and says, she's gone. <laughs> when we get hungry for that, when we get hungry to know him like that, we come so close that we are moved in our spirit by the things that move his heart. We become a mighty weapon in the hand of God. And we can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. We can say to this lost one, be saved, and they shall be saved. We can say to cancer, be gone in Jesus' name. We can say to coronavirus, be still. 
But my friend, that takes hunger. It's not a, there's not a one, two, three I can give you. There's not a book I can sell you. It takes hunger. It takes, oh my God, I wish I'd never have taste. I gotta have the fullness. I gotta have everything you have for me. I am ruined for you. I am ruined for you. This world has nothing to satisfy me. God wrecks you like that. You're going, oh, goody. Yeah. That's why I'm praying. Because if the Holy Spirit can come and overshadow a few men in an upper room, and within three and a half years, they turn all of Asia Minor upside down for the gospel, what could God do with this room? Here's what you need to know. <coughs> you can look at your worksheets here. We're going to try to do this. I'm, as you know, really bad at this. Uh, God does not work alone. You know, I've heard people say, you know, our primary, oh, I know I'm going to probably like offend somebody in this statement, so just hear me to the end, okay? I, I've heard people say, we're, we are born into the kingdom, and our primary purpose is to, is to worship. It's all about worship. There's truth. There's truth there. But we have a generation of, of people, a generation of people who just want to worship. And the truth is, if it was just about being in a great worship service, if it was just about learning some more about the Bible, then, then, and some more about God, then God would have taken us home the moment we were born again. He wouldn't take the chance that we would fall away. If it was only about worship, if it was only about being fed and gorging ourselves in the presence of God, he would have taken us to the glorious heaven and the worship service that is going on in the heavens now. But we have been left here with a mandate. We have been left to tell others about him. You see, God does not work alone. He needs us. I know that shatters us like, what? Like he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all, okay, like that messes with me. Yeah, I know. But it's truth. The word of God says that he doesn't work alone. He waits for the sons and daughters of God to come into position with him and to do the works of the kingdom. We know that's true. It's written all over the gospels. And you will do, and you will go, and you will declare, and you will proclaim, and you will baptize, and you will cast out demons, and you will heal the sick, and you will say to this, be thou removed. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to show you tonight how you partner with God to do, you can call it prayer, call it whatever you want, but the truth is, it's a life of coming into partnership with God where you become the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth, the mouthpiece of God. The, you are 
the, the partner on the earth doing the works of the kingdom. And I believe that most Christians do not understand the truth of this concept. That really when we come to church, we're, we're coming for our brothers and sisters. Yes, we're coming to help build it up. But we're coming to be equipped, to be empowered, to go forth in his name, to be his hands, to be his feet. If tonight you are hard pressed, when we pray for the lost to even think of somebody, then my friends, you have cushioned yourself with Christian believers around you. You better get out there into the marketplace where there's some lost people because that's your mandate. So God does not work alone. He is looking for us to come into partnership with him. Prayer, again, this is, we have a lot of ideas about what prayer is and we think it's all about asking, and we come with our list, and we say, God, I'm sorry, this is going to be quick today. Here's my list. <laughs> I've only got 15 minutes, so here it is. This is what I need. And I believe that the whole time the Holy Spirit's going, ah, oh, ah, 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 can I? Okay, you all have one of those friends, right? <laughs> right? You all have one of those friends that never lets you get a word in edgewise. Maybe you're married to that person. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, it's that person that when you're with them, you're like, ah, oh, ah, uh, um, ah, uh, hey, okay, time's up. We got to go now. And you're like the whole time going, I really, really would like to interject something there. And I believe that for many, many people, that's what your prayer life looks like. You come running in with your list. And the entire time, the Holy Spirit's going, um, Coming into partnership with God, you're given a unique advantage when you come before the Lord and you listen and you partner with him. You're given an advantage. No advantage? If you don't have the advantage, you move to the defense. And the devil's just going to make sure that you got all these things. It's like, psh, 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 psh. you're just fighting off the devil the entire time. I've been, in, I've been in prayer meetings with people who are like, oh, the devil's just taking me around this week. Really? Because, like, he does, it doesn't have to go that way. Yeah. Let's just get out front of what the devil's doing. Because God says you have been given an advantage. I want you to turn to John 15. John 15, would somebody read that? No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Hallelujah. Yes. You know, uh, servant's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not the best. And the truth is, uh, in our early, for most of us, in our early walk with the Lord, servant is what we do. <laughs> the Lord says, do this, we do it. And uh, we're taking commands uh, from the scripture. Uh, we're being 
you know, guided by our pastors or a discipler, and we're just doing. But there comes a point, my friend, when God is saying, I no longer call you servants, I call you friend. And even in other portions of the scripture, he says, I call you sons. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Okay? A servant just does what he's told. But God says, I'm calling you to be a friend of God. I'm calling you as sons and daughters to come close, to come to the place where I can speak to you. I can give you the advantage. And when you come and you listen and you rest in my presence and you tarry something that we don't do anymore. Tarry is to wait in his presence, to, to sit and wait in his presence. We used to tarry at the altars for for hour after the service, just tearing and waiting on the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit would say to us. We don't do those things anymore. We run out because we've got a roast in the oven. And God, and God is saying to us, if you will come, I, I will give you the advantage. I will speak things to your heart um, and you can come into co-laboring. I want you to turn to 2 Kings. Second Kings chapter six. And we're going to read verses eight through seventeen. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing this place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned all of his officers to him, and he demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of Israel? Why is he saying this? Because the prophet of God told the king of Israel where to go and what to do because he had the advantage. God spoke to him. So he says, which of you is betraying me? He's enraged. Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Verse 12. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who was in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. How fun is that? Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked the prophet. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are for us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. Hallelujah. Okay, my friends, you need to know God's not changed. Yeah. And he's not waned in power. He's not changed his mind. And he's not just, oh, well, that was for then and not for now. That was for then and not for you. Yeah. No, God is not a respecter of persons. My friend, what you see here is advantage. Prophetic advantage. But you say, oh, but he was a prophet. Yeah, did you, did you know that in the New Testament it says that he was a prophet just like, he, that he was a man, that Elisha was a man just like you? He's no different. A man or a woman of God who gets away with God and says, here I am. I am listening. I bend my ear to the God of heaven. I lay down my agenda. I lay down my list. I lay down my desires the things I need, and I take up your cause. I take up your cause. I take up what moves the heart of God in this hour. God, what do you want to say to me? I need the advantage. And I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks when he finds you listening. I'm not talking about just once where, okay, well, I'll try it. You know, I'll go this this. You know, this Wednesday, I'll go and I'll listen. I'm talking when he, when he knows, oh, Shelly, she's going to be there. She's going to be there at 10 o'clock every morning waiting on me to hear my voice. She's coming into my, here she comes. I've been waiting for you, precious. I knew you were coming. That's when the Holy Spirit finds you listening. You know what? Sometimes when I come, it's dry as bones. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, oh, it just feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. And my, my thoughts are in a thousand different directions. Like I, you know, got a Ferris wheel going on in my head. And there are other days when it's glory. But I come anyway. What, what, what a precious place that is for the Holy Spirit. When God knows she's coming. It's nine o'clock. I know she's coming at ten. I can't wait. I believe that's the way God feels about us. It's the way he feels about you. He's waiting. And I know. I know. There are people in here. That five weeks ago, we talked about finding a place and finding a time to be in his presence and you haven't found it. And I'm just here to tell you, how about tomorrow? How about, how about Holy Spirit, I'm coming tomorrow. Forgive me that I haven't come. Help me to come. Because I need the advantage. I was in prayer one day. I used to have, I used to have a group of intercessors. There was about 
roughly 30,000 people on my email prayer watch across nations and this was before Facebook, before you know all that. This was email, emails were all you had. So we passed prayer requests and things across to these watchmen. And one day, I was actually, as a missionary, I was on my way to Sri Lanka. The tsunami had just happened. Remember the tsunami of South Asia? I knew I was already on my way there as a missionary. But I was, uh, hadn't, hadn't gone yet. I would be going in a couple of weeks. And I, I knew the waves. I mean, it was, you know, like 14 minutes or something. It was just, just right around a 10 minute mark. They lost about 40,000 people in those waves, just in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is like about the size of Rhode Island. I mean, you can understand, okay? Put it in perspective. Bigger than probably, I don't know how many people live in Blue Springs, but it's like wiping out an entire town. And I was in prayer. And I was laying down on my face before the Lord, and I was just, you know, what's customary for me is, and we'll talk more about this probably next week, but what's customary for me is I come to the Lord in prayer, and I don't have a list. I come with Kleenex, I come with something to drink, I come with my Bible, with a journal, and with a pad of paper, scratch paper. Because things will come into your head, and you're gonna need to, you know, like I need to pick up the laundry at the dry cleaners, and it's not gonna wanna leave your head unless you write it on a scrap of paper. And then it's like your mind can go on, and you can focus on the Lord. Because one of the hardest things to learn to do is to pull down every thought and imagination. <laughs> you know, like, you could be like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna listen to the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna quiet myself and I'm gonna, Lord, here I am, speak to me. And the next thing you know, you're thinking about doing the dishes. I mean, it's the craziest thing how your mind works and it takes a lot of discipline, just like disciplining your body. You can say, I'm gonna run a marathon. Well, you can't run a marathon just overnight. You have to discipline your body to do what you are trying to make it do. Paul talks about this. I beat my body into submission. You have to do the same thing with your mind. Pulling down every thought. When you first come before the Lord in prayer, it will probably be every couple of minutes. You're going to have to take a thought captive. You're going to be all of a sudden thinking about something that is not about God, that's something about your day, something about your family, something about you need to do something to buy at the grocery store, something that happened yesterday. It's, it's crazy. And you're going to learn how many voices are in your head. And you're going to have to pull them. I'm, I'm just taking that thought. In. I'm taking it captive right now. I'm pushing that thought out of my head. I'm re... Okay, Lord, I'm so sorry. Here I am again. Help me to quiet my... And you're going to be extremely frustrated in the beginning. And you're going to want to give up. It's hard. But as you continue, you're building your spiritual muscle. And, and over time, over weeks, you're going to find it gets easier and easier until, until eventually you can keep your mind stayed on the Lord, meditating on the Lord, meditating on the scripture without it floating in a thousand different directions. But it takes time. Please don't get discouraged and stop. 
Think of it this way. Hey, it's just like when you're working out your body, right? Hey, but I'm building muscle. Okay, it was really hard today, and it sucked, and it felt like I just didn't get anything, but just pulling down every thought and taking every thought captive, and that's all I did during my prayer time. But you're building muscle, and it's going to be easier the next time. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay, so bring your scrap of paper because, too, because I don't like to write those little scraps of things like, Get dishwasher liquid. Oh, right. That, that was great. Right in the middle of my of my being quiet before the Lord. Get dishwasher liquid. Like what? And it's just because we multitask, and I think we're worse today than this generation than the generations past because we have too many voices. Yeah. We have too many things screaming at us. We're we're in a multitasking environment all the time, and you're going to have to train your mind to not multitask. Okay, so I was before the Lord. I just, what I did, I come in, I lay down on the floor. I don't know why. I like that posture when I'm listening. I guess so, I don't know, my eyes aren't looking around. I'm down on the ground and I'm, Lord, here I am. Holy Spirit, please come and I'm just waiting on you. And I have my Bible near me and I have my journal near me. And as the Holy Spirit will speak a scripture, for me, it's never a reference. It's never a Bible reference. For other people, it's always a Bible reference. For me, it's a portion of Scripture. And then I will I'll, I'll ponder it. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? You want me to turn there? And I'm asking lots of questions. I don't want to assume I know. Why are you showing me that, Lord? Why did I have that picture? I'm a vision visionary person. I don't dream a lot. My husband's a dreamer. I'm a vision, visionary. It's called a seer, S-E-E-R. I see pictures. So it is very common. I'll see three or four pictures uh, in a day in my time of prayer. And I think it's because the Lord knows just, okay, Holy Spirit, just give her a picture. <laughs> She's not going to get it. <laughs> just draw her a picture. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I got it. I got the picture, right? And so... Um, it'll be different for all of you, but this is a good time when you're just quieting yourself before the Lord. That even if you're not laying down, that you're shutting your eyes. And you just say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I'm here to hear what you have to say to me. I need the advantage. I need to know what you're doing. I want to partner with you. So this day, I came, and I laid on my face, and I was seeking the Lord. I had no agenda. Now, there might be things that you have on your list, like things you need to pray for, but I wait until the Holy Spirit brings it up, because that's where the anointing is. I'm waiting for God to breathe on something. And then I'll take that up, and I'll be like, the Holy Spirit's breath is on that, and now I'll pray this. And I will turn to scriptures, and I will journal and I'm finding that I, I am not, um, I don't love journaling, but I journal because it's really good. It's really helpful, and it will show you how much God is speaking to you. And when the enemy will say to you, oh, you don't hear, you don't see, you, don't, you can go back to your journal and go, oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah? It's the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of the Holy Spirit speaking in your life. Many times when it's really, when I have one of those days when it's just dry, I don't feel his presence. Yeah, that happens. It's okay. 
There are just those days when you're like, I just don't feel anything anymore. Where are you? And those, you know, I find that if I would get my pen out and I will start to write, where do I feel you today? I just, I feel really discouraged today. And I start to write, it will start to come. There's something about that writing, pouring my heart out in a prayer on my, I mean, and my journal is laced with tears, soaked pages as you're writing. And, um, and even journaling can be really hard and frustrating, okay? Like, I have journals that I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that like weeks can go by and I didn't write anything. And I'm like, oh, I hate that because then I'm like, it messes me up because I like the flow. And then I'm like, darn it, do I get a new journal or do I just start off with, I don't know if any of you were like that, but. So I come to the Lord that day and I'm laying down before the Lord and the Lord spoke so clear. Like I, I wish every day was like that, you know? Like it's like he's sitting right there speaking in your ear. And the Holy Spirit said, shall we alert the watchman? So and I knew, I knew what the watchman was because I had about 30,000 people on this watchman prayer list. This was, and so I'm like, okay. And the, and the Holy Spirit said so clearly, you tell them to pray this right now. Like, this was urgent. I got that. This is urgent. You tell them to pray that the borders of Sri Lanka, that's where I was a missionary, right? The borders of Sri Lanka would be sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that anything trying to leave that border that is of evil shall not depart that border. Pray that the children of Sri Lanka would be protected right now and all things hidden in darkness should come to the light. And I'm writing, I'm like, whoa, like it's so specific. And I don't know what it means. I mean, I know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, why? I don't know. I have no piece of information to nail it to, to hang it on. I just, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening, but I know I have come and said, Holy Spirit, not my agenda, but your agenda. If you're looking for a voice, Holy Spirit, find mine. I'm here, I'm willing, I'm listening. What is on the heart of God this morning? I will pray. And he said, okay, here it is. And I, I went and I typed up that email. I sent it off to all those intercessors. I mean, we had intercessors and little widow ladies in Kansas. We had kindergarten kids who had signed up on our email list and because I was preaching and I preached in hundreds, like 200 and something churches in a, in, in a year in the United States. And, and every time I would go preach in a church, people would sign up on this email list. That's how that happened. So these are just people who barely know me, but who, you know, they're like, yeah, I want to be a part of what God's doing. And so they signed up and I sent that out and I said, pray this right now. It's urgent. I don't know exactly what it's about, but God says, urgent. Pray this specifically as I'm writing it to you. And they began to pray. And... It wasn't but a day and a half later that we get information coming out of Sri Lanka that in the aftermath of the tsunami, okay, tsunami waves that pushed, pushed people two and a half, three miles away from their home. You have children wandering the streets, all over in the streets, looking for their family. They don't even know, like some of these kids don't even know what village they live in. 
and they're two miles away, and nothing looks as it should because everything is destroyed. I mean, it was utter destruction. And children are wandering the streets, and evil men were taking those children. Come with me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you find your parents. And what happened was there was a tanker in the port of Colombo. And that tanker had already been cleared by Port Authority to exit the boundaries of Sri Lankan waters and to go back into Europe, is where it was headed. And it had already been cleared. When God speaks to a Buddhist, an ungodly man who is Buddhist and who is in charge of Port Authority and moves on this man's heart, no, something's wrong. And they pulled that tanker, it was already pushing off. And they stopped that tanker and they said, no, we want to check your cargo hold again. And they went down into the cargo hold of that ship and it was filled with Sri Lanka's children. All of those children were on their way into the sex trade in Europe. Taken at a time of trauma, off the streets where they wandered looking for their families. Now, we knew that, and, and I'm not saying we were the only ones. <laughs> there were probably others. There were probably men and women who the Holy Spirit spoke to all over the world. And our combined prayers saved the lives of those children through the power of the Holy Spirit because he was looking for a voice in the earth. And I believe that all the time, all the time, every day, every hour of every day, that the Holy Spirit is waiting. He's looking for an instrument. He's looking. You see, okay, let's, let's look at it this way. I don't have to take you to a couple more scriptures. Some of this we're gonna, we'll have to come back to, but I want to take you to how to come into partnership in prayer. Of course, there's all these scriptures. 2 Chronicles 7.14, that says, If my people who were called, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then, it's a promise with a clause. Why? Because God needs you. Is that like not just mind shattering? That the Holy Spirit needs us? Yeah. Because there's something in us that goes, oh, well, God will do whatever God wants to do. My friend, that is a line up with scripture. God is involved, and he's looking for the sons and daughters of God to partner with him, yes. to do the works of the kingdom. So when the church just comes to hear a little sermon, to get a little, a couple songs, you know, under our belt, and then to go home and not do anything the rest of the week for the kingdom of God, to not bend our ear to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say, to not be his hands, his feet, his eyes, his tears, his mouthpiece, is to completely miss the mandate of the gospel. It's time to grow up. It's time to take up the mandate. It's time to get off the milk and to do what God has called us to do. Because when we do that, 
we will see signs and wonders and miracles poured out on this land. Amen? Do you believe that? Of course, Joel, we've already talked about this scripture a little bit. Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit in the last days upon your sons and your daughters. But we know there's a, Joel chapter 2 says, if, if you will come before the temple porch and altar, if you will fast and pray, then I will pour out my spirit in the last days upon your sons and your daughters and your sons. And your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yes, Lord. Luke 11, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is looking for those on the earth who are willing to declare what is in heaven already. What is the will of God in heaven? He says, I need you to declare it on the earth. Matthew 9, 38, the Lord says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Hello. This is like, oh. the Lord says, ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest so that he can send forth laborers. What does that imply, my friend, that if we don't ask, they're not coming? Right? Same with angels. We have the ability to dispatch angels to say, Lord, send forth your angels to encamp around this city. Send forth your reaping angels to reap the harvest, to bring in the harvest of this city. There is power in those declarative words. But somebody has to ask. Ezekiel 33, I looked for a man among you who would build up the hedge, who would stand before you on behalf of the land, who would stand in the gap. You would stand in that place. This is, this is the kingdom of God. This is what the enemy's doing. And I stand in the gap and I bridge that gap and I say, not what is, but what is to be. And I speak in that gap. I speak salvation. I speak harvest. I speak restoration. I speak healing. I speak the gifts of the Spirit to be manifest in the church. I speak signs and wonders and miracles. I stand in the gap for Blue Springs. And I intercede on behalf of this land. God says, I found none. Why? Because they were praying their list. They had their rote, memorized prayers, and they were coming and saying, well, this is my little ditty. This is what I do in the morning. This is what I do at lunchtime. This is what I do at night. And the entire time, the Holy Spirit is looking for a man. Man, find me, God. Find me here. Find me willing. I'll be your mouth. Okay, so let's get to this. If you look at the Trinity, all three of them are intricately, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, intricately tied to prayer with you. When you partner with God in prayer, all three of them have a place. And I want to show you quickly what that is. So if you look at, there's too many scriptures for us to look up here, but... As far as the characteristics of Father, he is this loving, incredible, prodigal father. Prodigal means extravagant. The prodigal son, it's really, that story is really mis misnamed. It's not about the son. Yeah. It's about the father. It's about an extravagant father who fights for you. He doesn't just 
wait and see what happens. He's fighting for you. He's extravagant. He's lavish. And that story is about him much more than it is about the son. What else do we know about the father? That he, he feeds the birds of the air. He takes care of us. He's a provider. Um, we know uh, Moses, when Moses went to the, to the mountaintop and, and he said, now Lord, show me your face. I want to see who, I mean, Moses had seen all kinds of things at that point. He'd seen, you know, he was rescued as a baby in the Nile River in a basket. He saw the plagues of Egypt. He saw the pillar of fire during the night and the pillar of smoke by day. He saw the chariots get killed in the, in the Red Sea when the waters came back together. He's seen all those plagues. I mean, think of that, the burning bush. He saw uh, his hand get leprous, and then the Lord says, stick it, God says, stick it back into your cloak and pull it out, and now it's healed. He saw a, a, his staff as he threw it down on the ground turn into a snake, and then when he picked it back up, it turned back into his staff. I mean, this is a man who's seen some signs and wonders. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. But when Moses came before the Lord, he said, Lord, now show me your glory. What do you... What does he think he's going to see? Right? He's already seen. The Nile turned to blood. He's already seen manna fall from heaven. He's already seen water come from a rock. He's already seen a bush that burned and was not consumed. Come on. What does he think he's going to see? Now. Now show me your glory. Because his glory is not a miracle. His glory is his character. He says to Moses, go and stand in the cleft of the rock. And it says that God hit, he covered him with his hands. And it says that he walked by and only his backside could be seen. And it says that the Lord proclaimed his name. Okay, when the Lord proclaims and says, okay, this is who I am. You listen, right? He didn't say, I am doing miracles. This is my glory. No, he said, it is my goodness. It is my kindness. It is my long suffering. It is my patience with you. It is my love. It is my mercy. That's his glory. It's his character. So let me ask you. Where is the Father right now? Anybody know? In heaven on the throne. He's in heaven. Let's look at Mark 16. Mark 16, 19. Can somebody tell me what time it is? Okay. Mark 16, 19. Could someone read that when they get it? Very good. So, we know that the Father, right now, is in heaven. Where is Jesus? Right now. At the right hand of the Father. 
you know, I don't want to mince words. I don't want to be like all picky and everything. But when people say, where's Jesus? And they say he's in their heart. The Holy Spirit is in your heart. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this is what we know, that they're having a conversation about Blue Springs. They're having a conversation about your family. They're having a conversation. And you know what? It's good. It's filled with hope and future and destiny and purpose and healing and restoration, redemption. Stirring you up. That conversation in heaven, it tells us, um, let's turn to John. John 14 and 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to me, with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus came to point the way to the Father. Everything that Jesus was about was about pointing to the Father. It was to Jesus was sent to, to bring a way that we could have loving communion, that we could come before the Father because of the blood of Jesus. Okay? So Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. If you look over just um, a few more uh, verses here. In verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now let's read on. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So you're saying, what does all this mean? Well, what it means is that the Father is in heaven, and Jesus sits at his right hand. And it says that when the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, comes, the world will not know him because they cannot see him. And that is because when Jesus walked the earth, he had hands to touch, to heal. He had feet to walk the earth. He had lips to pray, tears to cry over Jerusalem, and to cry 
at the grave of Lazarus, even though we knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. But the scripture tells us, he says to his disciples, it is better for you that I go away. And you know the disciples were grieved. It would be like your pastor saying, I'm going I'm to go now. And you'd be like, no, what, what do you mean you're going to go now? Where are you going? We don't want you to go. They didn't want him to go. They didn't understand. And Jesus says, no, it's better for you that I go away. Because then I will send the Holy Spirit and he will live in you. And that is why you can do even greater things than I did. So where is the Holy Spirit? He's in your heart. And when you pray, it is a coming to the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to come and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here now. This is my time. Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Your, the Holy Spirit is your helper. And for many of us, we have never actually thought correctly about how we come before the Lord in prayer. And, and we come in the Holy Spirit helps us. Turn to Romans 8. We'll end it with this because I know it's time, but I'll just wish I could go on and on. You know, when I'm overseas, they give me hours. I preach for hours. Romans chapter 8. Okay, so it says in uh, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation, all of creation, waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That's what I was praying earlier on. Like, there's a groaning in the earth, my friend. What is earthquakes? What is all of the stuff that we see in the natural? What, why is that happening? Because the earth groans in eager expectation. For the, for the Son of God to come. The earth itself, the land itself, is under the pressure and the weight of sin. So, people ask me all the time, did God bring the tsunami on the people of South Asia because they worshipped idols? No, that would be Romans chapter 8, because we're in a day of grace. God is offering grace right now. He's saying, come to me. This is not the day of judgment. Thank God. Yeah. This is a day of grace, and we need to take up that mandate and speak grace. Oh, I can preach on that all day. So, um, so the earth is groaning, and it says, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, not only, not only creation, not only the earth, not only the mountains, not only the titanic plates, whatever you call them, those, the earthquake plates, uh, not only all of that, but we ourselves, verse 23, we ourselves. You see, I believe that there should be a groaning in the sons and daughters of God. And if there's not, you need to get before God. 
because there should be a groaning. Not only because of the lost around you, but there should be a groaning for the return of the Lord. There should be something inside of you that goes, Oh, God, I love you so much. I can't wait to be with you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the bride and the spirit say, come. And if you don't have that, if you don't have hunger, it's time to get on your face before God. Amen? Amen. Verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. What does this mean? That means that the Holy Spirit has no hands, no feet, no mouth. That means that the Holy Spirit is privy. There are scriptures that we don't have time to go to, but that says the Holy Spirit, he doesn't speak his own words. It tells us that in John. The Holy Spirit doesn't just go, hmm, I wonder what I should say to Shelley today. No. The scripture says in John that the Holy Spirit does not speak his own words. He speaks only what he hears from the Father. So the Holy Spirit hears the conversation of heaven that is going on between Father and Son. And he's full of the knowledge of God, waiting to have somebody on the earth who is willing to say, I will be your mouth. Because Jesus doesn't walk the earth anymore. I will be your tears. I will be that groan in the spirit for the sons and daughters of God to be, to be uh, lifted up in the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? When Jesus walked the earth, he could do those things. Now, no wonder the Holy Spirit is groaning. Because he's full of the knowledge of God. That he hears the conversation of heaven over the earth. But if he can find no mouthpiece, it cannot be prayed. It cannot be declared. It cannot be spoken on the earth unless he finds someone willing to say, here I am, Holy Spirit. Not my will, not my agenda. What do you say? I'm willing to pray for you. And learn to hear and listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he brings something to your attention, when you feel the breath, the ruah of God on something, and you stay there and you pray until you can get up knowing your assignment is done. Amen? Amen. So your assignment this week is to get before the Lord and to quiet yourself. It's going to be hard. You can call me and cry. Try to put aside your list. God is big enough to meet your needs on the list. When you take up for the lost, when you take up for the city, when you stand in the gap, he is big enough to take care of your needs. So just let them go for a week and come to the Holy Spirit and say, I'm willing. I'm willing to hear. I'm willing to, to pray what you want me to pray. Lord, move on my heart. I will weep over the city. I will weep over my neighbor. I will, I will pray and I will intercede and I will stand in the gap for my neighbors that live to the left, to the right, and across the street. You may not even know their names. Time to learn them. Amen? Yeah. So, Father, I just thank you for your children. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the awakening 
the awakening in our spirit that is taking place, Lord. And I just ask that you would help us. I, I just speak, I, I, I speak over ears. I speak over spiritual ears right now in Jesus' name to be open. That's right. Put your hands on your ears right now. Just touch your ears. Lord, open my ears to hear. That's right. Just say it. Lord, open my ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me and to the church. Give the ears to hear. Now put your hand on your eyes. Lord, give me spiritual eyes to see. Lord, give me vision. Spiritual pictures. Spiritual dreams. And Lord, I will take those things and I will pray them. Lord, I just ask for a release of the prophetic mantle upon your children. Lord, you say that it is a gift of grace for all. Paul says, I, I wish that you all prophesy. So Lord, I just declare a prophetic anointing over your intercessors tonight, Lord. I ask that they will, they will begin to see and hear as they never have before. And they will take up the mantle of the Lord. That they will walk as though they and pray and, and cry and decree and declare as though they're Jesus walking the earth filled with the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and what the conversation of heaven is right now. I thank you and I praise you, Lord, and I speak blessings over your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week, we do not have regular class. We have uh, a time of where all the classes are coming together for a time.